Hello and welcome to the Football Outsiders Week 8 NFL Preview Show. I'm Ian O'Connor, Senior Data Analyst at Football Outsiders. Joining me as always is Tom Stracken, Football Outsiders Fantasy Analyst. On today's show, we'll be covering all things betting and fantasy, both season-long and DFS, for all of the Sunday games as well as the Monday night football game. Now, we don't have as many stars on by this week, just the Chiefs and Chargers, so Mahomes, Herbert, Eckler, and receivers, some of those which are hurt anyway, will be out. But Tom, before we get into this week, how was last week's fantasy slate for you and just in general? How things go? Yeah, it was a good week. I kind of dialed things back a little bit. I was on holiday with family, so I decided only to play cash games, which are multiple double up games, things like that. So I just did one lineup and it turned out to be one of my best weeks so far of the season. Nice and profitable and reloaded with the betting balance so that things are good. Uh, In fantasy, had my best performance of the season in my home league and after starting off I think 0 and 4. I'm suddenly 4 and uh, 3 and 4. So things are slowly turning around for me. How about you, Ian? I, it was all right. Had a lot of guys on by Cooper Cup, Gabe Davis, AJ Brown, Dalvin Cook. Like had a lot of replacements in there. Uh, and the, the guy I played did as well. Had Jalen Hurts, Devontae Smith, Stephon Diggs on by, and still his replacements had some really big games. So it was tough. But uh, so overall, still sitting like third place. I think in my home league at 4 and 3. Started off pretty hot. So. I'm feeling okay. Get a lot of my guys back, so ready to go. And Speaking of fantasy, don't forget that you all out there can play on Underdog Fantasy with us, and you can double your first deposit up to $100 with promo code OUTSIDERS. So are your season-long fantasy teams floundering? Uh, Tom mentioned he had a rough start but came back. Some people have had a rough start, and it's just kept going rough. Well, you can play Underdog's Battle Royale, which is a fast six-round weekly fantasy football draft with easier chances to win than traditional daily fantasy sports sites that we'll be talking about here today. You can even win 50 grand if you grab first place. Or you can try their pick'em games, which we really like to do and talk about on these shows, where you can easily pick players' chances to go higher or lower than their projected stat lines. You're basically parlaying prop bets, and you can do that even in states where traditional prop betting currently is not available. Underdog is the fastest-growing fantasy site around, so join the fun over at underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog app in the App Store. And don't forget to use promo code OUTSIDERS now to double your first deposit up to $100. And now, without further ado, we'll hop right into that first game from Sunday. Uh, not a super exciting game. We've got Denver plus 2.5 at Jacksonville Sunday morning for us over here, Tom, Sunday afternoon for you, uh, with it being, I believe, the last London game. There may be, yeah, London, then we have Germany and Mexico as well this one's got a 39 and a half point total now the biggest news from this one i think is the jaguars trading james robinson to the jets earlier this week in the wake of the Brees hall injury we'll talk about the fantasy impact in new york in a bit uh there's not a lot of question in jacksonville i think this move pretty much solidifies etn's new role as a, a fantasy rb1 he's ppr running back 12 over the last two weeks yeah, definitely. I think, you know, it kind of became clear in recent weeks that even though James Robinson had started the season off hot, that the team wanted to turn things over to Travis Etienne a little bit more for whatever reason. And I think against Denver, you've definitely got to play him. He's, you know, Denver are worse against the rush. They rank 18th against that versus the pass. They rank third. So you should have no worries about putting him into this situation. They, you know, Denver's a great defense in many ways, but they are giving up points to running backs, and I'd be fine with that. I think in terms of the Jag side, you know, Trevor Lawrence is with fantasy QB7 over the last three weeks. He's kind of gotten over that little blip he had. He's been passing for 250-plus yards per game. And I'd be fine starting Trevor Lawrence, Christian Kirk, even Evan Ingram if you needed to. He's been pretty reasonable lately. And then aside from that, in terms of fantasy, 
you've kind of got to start Portland Sutton. Jerry Judy feels a little bit of a fade, and the game just feels like a tricky one, really. Yeah, you mentioned yeah, with James Robinson, really unfortunate for a guy like that, undrafted, had the great year as rookie year, hurt last year, and comes out looking pretty good this year. Uh, but like you said, they've been wanting to turn it over to ETN. For Denver, one guy I've got a question about, like you said, there's nothing really to love there. You've got to start those guys that you have. Maybe Jerry Judy gets traded to a team where he does a little bit better. But um, Greg Dulcich, though, has been really good. He seems to be an every week starter now, given the high level usage, or is he still just kind of a high end streamer? I mean, he's run a route on 71% of dropbacks the last two weeks, had, I think, second most targets last week with nine and has been producing in his first two games. Yeah, I think after that first week where he came out and had that 34-yard touchdown or so on, was it Monday Night Football, mm -hmm. and you kind of worry, oh, is he just going to be able to produce where he's only getting touchdowns? Because even though he was running a route on a lot of plays, he didn't actually see an awful lot of targets that night because Russell Wilson was atrocious. But then in week seven, you see he can get nine targets and catch six of them, which is a really positive sort of development. I think, you know, in this game, where we're going to be looking to squeeze any kind of fantasy value out of it. He's definitely in play. You know, he's had 44 and 51 receiving yards in his two games so far. And like you said, he definitely seems to be a strong part of the offense. I'd have no problem starting him. I mean, Jackson ranks 15th against tight ends in terms of fantasy points allowed. So they're right in the middle of an either good or bad. And yeah, he's a fine stream. Yeah, and Jacksonville, uh, he may not get in the end zone uh, because, or sorry, Jacksonville is 24th in red zone offense. Denver is second in red zone defense. So, again, he may not get in the end zone, but could be good. And then betting this one's kind of tough. I feel like betting every game for Denver this year has been tough because you expect so much from you. just don't know what you're going to get. The defense also second in yards allowed, third in points allowed. I think Jacksonville may struggle to score in this one, though. I do think that they, they're they able to score a little bit, but everyone struggles to score against Denver. They're dead last, though. Uh, Denver is in red zone offense. And dead last in scoring, so they may not get in the end zone either. So I'm, if you can't tell, I'm definitely leaning under on this one. Though our FO picks like the over, and it's a second highest confidence pick. And those of you out there watching, you can have can get access to those picks with an FO Plus subscription at footballoutsiders.com/slash-subscribe. In addition to some uh, premium stats, fantasy advice articles, things like that. But I lean under the spread. I think is is tough to pick as well, or is a little bit tougher to pick. As I mentioned, Denver, just don't know what to expect. I think I've given up on them. The Jacksonville defense has fallen off since week three. They started off hot. They're only 28th. I uh, <laughs> kind of decided. <laughs> I think I'm going to put my trust in Doug Peterson over Nathaniel Hackett, take the Jaguars to win and cover minus two and a half. You on the same page with me or, or are you going to stop? I'm on the same page. And just for the main thing, you know, this is the Jags' ninth game in England. They're four and four in the eight games they've played. They know their routine that, you know, virtually so many of these players have played London games before, yep. whereas the Broncos players haven't played as much games coming over to London. And I just feel like that little bit of preparation and knowing what to expect will just give them the edge. And Wembley does tend to be quite a Jags heavy crowd at times. Yeah, the, the London Jaguars over there, as we jokingly <laughs> called them for a while, because they would always always win over there. But Russell Wilson, too, may have worn himself out on the plane ride over with all his, his high <laughs> knees in the aisle and whatever else he's got going on. So expect Jaguars to come out and uh, I think to take this one. Now, sticking with a, a team there in Miami or in Florida, Miami, three and a half point favorites at Detroit, 51 and a half point total. I'm surprised this is only three and a half here, to be honest. We'll get to the betting angle a little bit later. But as far as fantasy, 
I mentioned last week, I picked up two after he was dropped in anticipation of Justin Herbert's bye week this week because he's got Detroit. Is this, is this, it seems like a smash spot against Detroit's 31st ranked pass defense, but do you think we could be in for a little bit of a letdown here or will he live up to the expectation? I think it needs to be a smash spot because, I mean, two has started in five games. He's only finished three of them. Uh, but, you know, the only game where he's thrown for more than one touchdown was against the Ravens when they had that complete meltdown and a real outlier of a game. Every other game, he's only been throwing like one touchdown. So you'd really like to believe it is going to be against the Lions who rank 31st in passing defense DVOA. And they've allowed two or more passing touchdowns in the last two home games. And they've given up the third most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks. So it feels like it has to be the smash spot. I will be playing some lineups where I uh, stack Tyree Kill with Tua because Tyree Kill, for all the worries about him in the offseason, he's averaged 11.1 targets per game with three different quarterbacks this season. He's at 8.14 catches per game, which is a really solid floor in PPR formats. And I think he's now a wide receiver two in DYAR. And he's leaving the position in receiving yards. So no worries whatsoever about that. I think in terms of the running backs, you kind of just got to favor Raheem Moster. Chase Edmonds has had like barely any carries. I think he had seven for 17 last week. So even when he is getting touches, he just looks woeful. If you've got Jalen Waddle, you're probably starting him too. But it does sound like he's still struggling with these kind of soft tissue injuries. Yeah, one of the the props being of, of uh, Tyreek Hill, I liked his total uh, receiving yards at 81 and a half. I did like if, if Waddle plays at 63 and a half. Uh, he played through it last week, had a pretty good game. Detroit's 30th against both wide receiver one and wide receiver two. Tyreek Hill has alternated 100-yard games, so he's due for a big one. Plus, he's got this defense coming up, and Waddle has two straight with 88 plus. I think continues Sunday again if he plays. I was looking at the Tua over. It was in the, like, 270s, and I can see this being a game where Hill and Waddle get over, but Tua doesn't go over uh, his his total. So I kind of shied away from that, um, but do really like the two wide receivers there. And then on the that staying there as well, one more uh, thing. Mike Jasicki had seven targets for the second straight game. Is he fantasy relevant again? I know Durham Durham Smythe was out or he was available, but didn't get any targets or anything. And it seems like maybe he's back in the the good favors of the team. Yeah, I mean Detroit allow the third most fantasy points to tight ends. So if you feel like you can trust Kosicki, then it's a good matchup for it and definitely not one way you should be actively fading it. Maybe you need to do this because of bye weeks. I just find it quite hard to trust uh, Mike Kosicki and this offense, really. I mean, who knows whether they're showcasing him before a trade. But yeah, yeah if you need to, it's fine. But it's not a play I'm desperate to make. Yeah, now, on the other side with offense, there's a lot of question about who we can trust because DeAndre Swift was a full participant at practice yesterday, which is great news for those who roster him, hasn't played since week three. But the troubles come at wide receiver, where Amon Ross St. Brown is limited due to a concussion that he sustained last week, early last week, which was a big disappointment. TJ Hawkinson and Josh Reynolds didn't practice yesterday. DJ Chark is on IR. Can we trust anyone else there other than the two running backs if those guys don't play? I think also if, if we're left in a situation like that, we're going to see Xavier Howard shadow cover Josh Reynolds an awful lot, and he's somebody who's been worth a cheap start at times in DFS, but I would probably lean away from it slightly in this game. I think really it's probably one of those games where if Hawkinson starts, you can feel fine about starting him. Miami have allowed like the 11th most fantasy points to tight ends. If Swift starts, you have to play him. Miami allow like the 28th most points against running backs in receptions. Uh, 
in DVOA, I think they're throwing up fantasy points. Um, so that's fine. And then Jamal Williams, we've seen how efficient he can be, but it's just it just feels like a little bit of a shine's come off with the Lions lately. Yeah, a lot of injuries. They, they were real hot on offense, and injuries have taken a toll on them. Now, getting back to the the betting angle at the top with the spread, only two and a half, uh, or sorry, three, yeah, three and a half for Miami. Given all those injuries for Detroit and the poor defense, I really I think Miami runs away with this. It's Football Outsiders' second highest confidence spread pick two. So I'm aside with it there. The Miami defense is tenth the last two weeks after struggling against Cincinnati and the Jets. Now they're not the Cowboys defensively. But I do think they're able to slow down that banged up Lions offense. And we'll take the under 51 and a half, which is the highest of the week. Uh, what are you siding with there to, uh, on Sunday? Yeah, just agreeing with you across the board to get started this evening. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll let you go first on the next one when we get to it. Maybe I'll be agreeing with you. And the next one is Arizona plus four at Minnesota. 49 point total here. Arizona got that big win between the lines last Thursday. One of the big stories was that little sideline spat between Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury. But all that aside, with DeAndre Hopkins, will DeAndre Hopkins be a wide receiver one for the rest of the year after he commanded an insane 48% target share in week seven? A lot of that, I think, was from the slot, too. Yeah, and we just don't see target shares like that often. So I think it's, you know, any worries that we could have had about DeAndre Hopkins should be appeased slightly. You know, I've come on here and I've criticized Cliff Kingsbury numerous times about being very easily to easy to predict in how he lines up his receivers but we saw Hopkins out on the left where we saw him a lot last year we saw him out on the right and we saw him from the slot so you know if things have finally started to click for Cliff Kingsbury and he's learned how to use a good wide receiver then perhaps we are going to see the Cardinals instead of starting off the season hot and then tailing off maybe we see the reverse of that I think things seem to have clicked a little more for the Cardinals over recent weeks when Kyler Murray's been rushing more through the first few games, he was just averaging four rush attempts. And then over the last four, he's been averaging 8.25 rush attempts per game. And that's definitely helping his output for fantasy. I think he's a strong play for DraftKings this week. I'd definitely be starting him. I mean, Minnesota defense ranks 21st against both the pass and the rush. And they've allowed Justin Fields and Jalen Hurts both to go for over 45 rushing yards in recent weeks. Yeah, in the backfield for Arizona, James Conner and uh, Daryl Williams were both limited. I think one of the two should return this week. Uh, if it's just one and it's just James Conner, will Eno Benjamin have any value outside of deep leagues if he is that running back two behind James Conner? I think you can still start him in a flex position. Like, you know, if you need in a player for your third running back or something similar. Eno Benjamin was the PPR RB11 over the last two games. So it doesn't really feel like the team should be rushing to move away from him. It could easily be like a 50-50 split. We saw before James Conner went out, but Eno Benjamin was actually being really efficient and quite good on the touches that he was getting. Yeah, and then on the other side, uh, we do get our Vikings back in action after their bye week last week, which is a, a welcome sight for a lot of people. Uh, Alvin Kamara was active as a receiver last week against Arizona with seven catches for 56 yards on nine targets. Dalvin Cook receiving usage isn't anywhere near what we'd hoped for with Kevin O'Connell coming over and the reports from the offseason. Been really disappointing. Do you think things change this week after the bye? Arizona is dead last defending passes to running backs. Yeah, I think that's kind of exactly the angle I would have come out from. It's just one of those where you'd like to imagine that these coaches who lean heavily into analytics and they you know, have that kind of more smart mindset, we'll ad- identify that as a matchup and lean into it a little bit, but we've definitely not seen anything so far that suggests any of the reports during camp are true. 
you know, <laughs> for the receivers, do you think there's uh, any trouble there in this one? Arizona is very good against uh, wide receiver ones and wide receiver twos, and it gets the deep pass. But with a guy like Justin Jefferson, you're not sitting him. I imagine his pure talent is going to be enough to overcome any worries you may have, if at all. Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, you can be completely comfortable with him. I think Irv Smith, somebody that I'd be completely happy starting because the Cardinals have ranked last in DVOA against the position for much of the season. They've climbed out of that and now they're the fifth worst team, but they've surrendered the second most fantasy points to tight ends all season. So I think you've got to play him if you in in a bind and need somebody off waivers or, you know, starting your third tight end. Uh and on the other side, Zach Ertz equally, you know, he's he's somebody who's been very consistent this year. He's only managed one top five performance, but he's been, I think he's had like uh, six tight end one finishes on the season. So I'd definitely be fine starting either of the tight ends involved. Yeah, I think that really could be a lot of points in this one. Football outsiders, we like the Vikings, have the expected uh, line like over six points, I believe. Um Neither defense has been – oh, actually, sorry. I will let you – I said I'm going to let you go for that. And maybe I can agree with you. So I'll let you get into your picks for the, the spread and the total on this one. So I'm going to go with Arizona. So, you know, the, it's uh, they've got four points on Minnesota, and it just feels like, yeah, they could keep this one tighter. They seem to be clicking. And as I said, I'm kind of – you know, I'm making my apologies in my picks. But I do think that Minnesota at home will – will take the money line and the game will go to be over. It's really one of those games that if you attack it heavily in DFS this week, you should be fine. Absolutely. And I mentioned Football Outsiders likes the Vikings with the expected line, uh, just over six points. I'm not going to agree with you. So I, I'll actually like the Vikings to cover. Uh, and neither defense has been great. Minnesota 24th, Arizona 21st. Last week, despite the pick sixes against New Orleans, they still gave up 400 passing yards to New Orleans and didn't have a great performance um, they've got the second biggest discrepancy between being good at stopping the run and bad at stopping the pass in DVOA. So I am with you on uh, the total there. Minnesota offense hasn't really been spectacular, but there's a lot of talent on both sides, a lot of playmakers. I like the over as well. So just differing, um, I think, on the spread there. We both like Vikings money line and the over. So getting close. <laughs> Chicago <laughs> coming up uh, off a really big win on Monday night, goes into Dallas as nine-point underdogs. 42-point total. They were at 8.5 on Monday night, now 9 uh, against Dallas. Again, another potential smash spot for Tony Pollard. Now, Zeke, it doesn't look like is expected to play. Uh, they've got their bye week on the horizon next week, so I wouldn't be surprised to see them hold uh, Zeke Elliott out. Dak wasn't spectacular. No receivers really had a huge game last week against Detroit. Just four for 70 for CeeDee Lamb. Are you worried at all about him as a wide receiver one moving forward? Is he kind of falling back into that wide receiver two range maybe? I think it's definitely not quite what we'd hoped for. I mean, you saw those early games where we're seeing like double digit targets every week and it was like, oh look, this this actually might be the year where CD Lamb just completely carries the target share and really earns it. So yeah, that definitely feels a little worrisome to me. Mm-hmm. I think playing anyone in games against Chicago who's a wide receiver and a tight end, it can just be a bit worrisome mm-hmm. that the game's not actually gonna get there in terms of the can Chicago push them? So I do worry about the pass catches slightly. I think you know, if you've got CeeDee Lamb, you're starting him. I Absolutely. think Michael Gallup, I had high hopes for him coming back off the injury, but he's yet to really do an awful lot of anything. Like you mentioned, Tony Pollard feels like the smash play in this one. He's been more efficient than Zeke all season. Ranks 14th in DVOA compared to Elliott's 18th. Um, 
But outside of that, I'm not really pushing myself to start any Cowboys players unless I have to. Yeah, and on the other side, the Chicago offense looked a lot better this week on Monday Night Field. Had arguably his best game as a pro so far. Can he be trusted against the this Cowboys tough defense? There's really not – I don't really have a ton of trust in any of the receivers because uh, even with the, the good game for Chicago overall, they did a lot of their damage on the ground. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a really tricky one. I think, you know – and again, I've been scathing about Justin Fields this season. I think, you know, so those primetime matchups were really painful to watch. So it's been nice to see him actually start to break out a little bit. And he's had fan, top 12 fantasy performances in each of the last three weeks, uh, including a top five performance last week. And that's kind of come with the rushing yards. He's a back-to-back 80-yard rushing performances. Now, like you mentioned, the Cowboys' defense is really tough. So I think it is a little bit tricky, but now that he's actually throwing touchdowns as well as rushing at 5,200 on DraftKings at least, I definitely don't mind him for tournaments. Yeah, not a terrible option there uh, is Justin Fields. Uh, probably going to have to throw the ball a lot, but also still does, like you said, have that, that rushing upside there. Now I'll let you go first again here and give your picks for uh, spread. We got, again, Chicago plus nine and a 42-point total in this one. Yeah, and I don't really like picking teams when they're, when they're really heavy underdogs. I always feel like it's an easy path for that spread to not come true, but – at Dallas, I'm going to lean with Dallas to cover and take the money line. But the 42-point over-under feels a little low for me, so I'd just go over. I feel like this could be a you know, sort of like 25-17 game. And yep, I agree. agree with you for the, the most part there, I think. Uh, New England defense was seventh going into Monday. Chicago dominated them. The Bears defense was good. The team's been pretty good in playing games close. But I'm also going to go with Dallas to cover again like they did against Detroit. Uh, just completely dominated Detroit defensively. I think they make things tough for the Bears, uh, but I'm with you. I'm going to go over the 42 as well. So we're all in agreement again on that one. Uh, another high total here coming in, Pittsburgh plus 10.5 at Philadelphia, 43.5 point total. We've got the battle for Pennsylvania here. Philly coming out of their bye looking to stay undefeated and have a really favorable uh, schedule down the stretch, had the easiest projected schedule coming into the season. And it looks like it's going to be that way throughout the rest of the year, even with some games against the Giants. Are you expecting a Bills-like performance from the Eagles against Pittsburgh or a Buccaneers-like performance? And uh, by that, uh, do you expect a big day for all these receivers? I think it's a closer day to the Bills-like performance. I mean, you know, the Buccaneers have their own problems and, you know, they've not been a great team throughout because of those problems. Whereas Philadelphia, like, they're just – they don't seem to have problems. They seem to just keep rolling. I think, you know, the fourth best team in both offense and defense DVOA, that, you know, those kind of stats don't tend to lie by this point in the season. Uh, you know, in terms of receivers, I mean, you can look at things with AJ Brown and Devonta Smith. And AJ Brown and Devonta Smith both have the same amount of catches. AJ Brown's had more targets, but Devonta Smith's been more efficient with his. AJ Brown has more receiving yards. Smith ranks 11th in DYAR, whereas Brown ranks 21st. And so it kind of becomes that one where you look at things and you're like, well, what kind of edges are there? And the Steelers rank 15th against the pass, but rank 22nd against wide receiver twos. So I just lean towards the cheaper of the options, which this week's Devonta Smith. And looking at the, the betting, one of the prop bets I had here that I, I liked when I was uh, kind of doing research on these was A.J. Brown over 66 and a half yards. Uh, again, 
fairly similar. So for DFS purposes, the cheaper, which is Devontae Smith. But A.J. Brown prop bet there. Uh, only one game under 67 yards, and that was against Arizona, who's number one against wide receiver ones. So I think uh, he, he gets that pretty easily. He's been very good. We've talked about it either last week or a couple weeks ago probably because Philly didn't play last week. But uh, it's been kind of quiet, but he's been consistent and hasn't had the huge games like we expected, but has been very good and getting a lot of yards every week. So like him to just kind of keep chugging along this week. Uh, on the other side – just kind of make it a general question. Uh, who are your favorite plays in a tough matchup? Philly has been a little susceptible to the run, only 22nd in DVOA against the run. But is there anyone you really that stands out that you like your value-wise? It's tricky because it just feels like the Steelers uh, in a rough place at the minute. It's, you know, the quarterbacks, neither are particularly looking fantastic. We're kind of in this situation where the wide receivers, we thought it might be George Pickens, and then it kind of flips over and you see a Chase Claypool game. Deontay Johnson's always somebody who could go off at any point, and there's been points where Pat Fryman's been on the field and looked fantastic. So mm-hmm. I think in these kind of situations, I tend to lean towards the cheaper guys and hope for some upside. So George Pickens is the cheapest on DraftKings at 4700 this week. Uh, I feel like there's some value in that play, but it'll probably be more popular. So, yeah, it's tricky. If you go, if you're looking to leverage off for people who believe in George Pickens, Chase Claypool's only $100 more and will probably be far less rostered. So I don't hate that at all. Um, I won't be playing any Najee Harris. Even though his price has dropped down to like 5700 now, I just can't see a path to him having a really big day. Yeah, going to be, I think, a tough day for all of those Steelers. Again, they're 10.5-point underdogs. I'm siding with Philly. Like you said, looking more like Buffalo, covering that 10.5 points pretty easily. I do think Pittsburgh's able to score just enough to push the game over 43.5. Seems like somewhat of a low total. I know that Pittsburgh just hasn't really been very good. Even if they only get 14, you know, a couple touchdowns or maybe a touchdown and a couple field goals, Philly can put up 30-plus, so like – Something if it was like 30 to 13 would be a really tough loss uh, sitting there at a half point under. But I, I like the over here and Philly to cover pretty easily. Uh, I'm pretty much there with you apart from the under. I just think Philly get out to enough of a lead and then just shut things down for the rest of the game. Yeah, I could definitely see that. And hoping hoping not for my, like I said, it'd be really tough if that one ended like 30 to 13 uh, for me and my pick. But we will see how that goes, but both expecting uh, Philadelphia to take care of business there uh, in the home state battle. Looking at Las Vegas and New Orleans, the Raiders one and a half point favorites going into New Orleans, 49 and a half point total. Now, uh, so Andy Dalton is the starter. It looks like regardless of Jameis Winston's health uh, right now, I mentioned uh, when talking about the Arizona game, Andy Dalton threw for 361 yards and four touchdowns, also three picks, uh, but still had a good day fantasy-wise. How does this move, maybe not a move because he's been the starter the last couple of weeks, but how does this affect the pass catchers going forward? We know Kamara's gotten a lot more receiving work with Dalton in, despite still not reaching the end zone. Yeah, definitely. And Kamara's someone who I'll definitely be playing this week. I mean, you know, a sluggish start to the season, but over the last three weeks, he leads running backs in receiving yards, and only Austin Eckler's seen more targets than Kamara's 24 in that period. So you can plug him in with no real worries. Touchdowns still aren't really happening, but it's kind of it's enough that you feel like you're getting return on your investment on him. Uh, in terms of the other pass catchers, Chris Olave seems completely fine. Las Vegas allow the fifth most fantasy points to wide receivers. 
who knows what's going on with Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry at this point. Like apparently Michael Thomas was at practice yesterday, but wasn't practicing. I think I'm still kind of high on Juwan Johnson, who will face a matchup where the Raiders allow the third most fantasy points to tight ends. Again, that feels pretty good. Uh, I think in terms of pricing on DraftKings, Juwan Johnson's just crept over 3,000 marks. He's 3,200, which is really cheap still for a guy who, if he gets a single touchdown, that's all you need. Um, but yeah, feel confident in those three with no real worries. Yeah, Juwan Johnson has four-plus targets in three of the last four games, scored two touchdowns last week. But Taysom Hill also scored. Is he a decent player? Like we talked about last week, is he more of a kind of a desperation, high upside, hoping he gets a couple touchdowns, maybe throws a touchdown or something? He's not somebody I'd consider on DraftKings because they qualify him as a quarterback on there. So okay. it's kind of quite difficult to see, unless he has one of those blow-up games like a few weeks ago, he doesn't really pay off his salary versus other quarterbacks on the slate. But in season-long, like most platforms, if you can start him as a tight end, I'd be comfortable starting him as a tight end this week. I think there's definitely no reason to imagine he's going to see less work than he's been doing so. So, yeah. Yeah, I've uh, got my two uh, tight ends in my home league are Njoku and uh, Gerald Everett, one on by, one's hurt. I have Taysom Hill and Pat Fryermuth, so deciding between those, like I said, the up, there's so much upside with Taysom Hill, but sometimes it's tough because he may he only get a couple touches, and if he doesn't do anything with them, you're kind of uh, in a bad spot. But on the other side, we got a huge game from Josh Jacobs, like we expected, talking about that super high uh, projected ownership uh, percentage. You know, Benjamin, we talked about, had a good night against New Orleans. Likely more of the same from Jacobs. But as far as the passing game, can we trust any Raiders receivers outside of Devontae Adams? I think it's really difficult to tell what's going on there. I mean, you know, Hunter Renfro's had issues. Darren Wall has not been healthy. So it's been very difficult. It seems like Matt Collins just keeps getting on the field and making plays. And I think, you know, if you're looking for a budget-wide receiver, then he's definitely somebody you can consider. I think it's 4,500. It sounds like if Darren Waller, Darren Wall is not going to play currently, and you can pay down to thirty one hundred for Foster Moreau. We've seen Josh McDaniels be around tight ends and be at a scheme them well in the past. So I don't hate that if you're looking for a way to game stack this game, but it's it's really just one of those situations where you can plug and play Josh Jacobs, definitely, Devante Adams, obviously. And if you're in a pinch, Derek Carr's not in a matchup where I feel worried about starting him. Yeah, this could end up being uh, a pretty high-scoring game, the total 49-and-a-half. Um, both defenses bottom 11 in the league. And I want to go through the Las Vegas game totals this season, 43, 52, 46. The last three weeks are 55, 59, and 58 points scored. For New Orleans, <laughs> it's been 53, 30, 36, a couple lower scoring. The last four weeks have been 53, 71, 56, 76. I'm siding with the over here and, and and also taking the Raiders to cover minus one and a half. I know uh, we said they've got so, some injuries. New Orleans, um, you know, has looked good at times, but given up. But the defense isn't what we expected. Both are pretty comparable recently. But again, I'm leaning Vegas and uh, I like the over with, with all the scoring that's been going on in the games for these two. I'm going with Vegas. I think I'll go with the under. I do feel like minus 1.5 just isn't enough for Vegas. I think this Saints team is going to beat up on bad teams, but struggle against better teams. And whilst I hesitate to call the Raiders a good team, they've shown enough signs of life lately that I've got some level of confidence in them. 
yeah, Josh Jacobs would easily take over this game again like he, he did last week. I had the misfortune of playing against him in my home league, so that was part of the reason I, I lost that one. And, of course, Justin Fields, he put in uh, a replacement for uh, for Jalen Hurts and paid off. But we'll, we'll move on. Quit talking about my sorrows and move on. <laughs> New England and the Jets. Uh, Patriots, one-and-a-half-point favorites, 40-and-a-half-point uh, total, so a low total on this one, not too surprising. I want to talk running back situations here. There's really not a whole lot else in this one. But both teams have some questions, I guess you could say. Ramondre Stevenson dominated the backfield touches, even with Damian Harris's return. Should we expect more Harris, more more Harris work with a game under his belt now, or are you still riding Ramondre and viewing him as that workhorse back in New England? I think if you've got Ramondre on a fantasy team, you should definitely be starting him. I mean, over the last four weeks, Ramondre's been the PPR RB three, which you know. That's league-winning type performance, and if you've been starting him in leagues, and I've been starting him in several places where I was starting to get a little bit worried about position, and it's just been fantastic. I've played him in DFS most weeks, and he's been great. I do think that, you know, when you look at last week's usage of Damian Harris, you know, he didn't start the game. In every game that Stevenson's been active over his career, Damian Harris has started the game. So you kind of go, okay, well, that was a slight change in the system. But New England loves screwing with us. It just would be very Bill Belichick for us all to start feeling confident in Ramondre Stevenson's role then the rug to be pulled out from us. Ramondre's priced up to 6400 on DraftKings. Damian Harris is down slightly lower at 5800 I do think there's more value in Ramondre, and I'd be much more comfortable starting him than I would Damian Harris. Yeah, I totally agree on that one. And then on the other side... There's a lot more questions on this Jets backfield situation. We mentioned at the top of the show when we talked about Jacksonville, uh, James Robinson traded to New York earlier this week after that Brees Hall injury where he's out for the year, which is really unfortunate for the rookie who'd been very good. Now, I would expect Carter to handle the bulk of the work at least this week with Robinson just coming over. But for a a season long or rest of season, what are you expecting moving forward? Which of these guys takes the 1A role? It seems like the Jets don't want to give – Carter, kind of the the keys to the car uh, with drafting Brees Hall this year after his good year last year and now trading for James Robinson. Yeah, I think Carter's one of those players who's a brilliant runner. You know, he's good in the receiving game. He's a great runner between the tackles, but he doesn't necessarily profile as that guy that you do want to be an every-down workhorse. I think this week in particular might be an opportunity to start Carter to play him. He's 5,900, which isn't too expensive but you're probably going to want him to have 70 percent or more of the touches at the position to really pay off and new england we've been talking about for a few weeks they are weak against the run i think we ranked 28th in dvoa against it so i don't feel like it's a bad matchup for him i feel like zach wilson you know he's averaged 8.8 fantasy points over the last three games and new england are fifth in passing defense dvoa so it's kind of like if the Jets are going to continue this hot streak, it's probably going to have to come on the ground. I'm not sure how much James Robinson is going to play. So Carter, by default, really does become probably one of the better plays. Yeah, he's yeah, James Robinson is no Christian McCaffrey where they're going to want to going to definitely want to get him on the field, you know, for the 10 plays, whatever it was, or 10 touches he got. Um, so we'll have this conversation again next week after we see what happens. <laughs> and we'll move, move forward from there. Uh, quickly, just on the Jets passing game, uh, Zach Wilson has thrown for 210 yards or less and zero passing touchdowns the last three weeks. Joe Flacco still has 208 more yards 
in one less game, but the Jets are 4-0 with Wilson. But fantasy-wise, is the wide receiver value, like, don't want to say dead, but pretty much dead with Zach Wilson at quarterback? Yeah, it's something that I think I wrote about last week in my fantasy roundup column because it was just – it's just – what is there? I mean, all these players now have completely dropped down in price. Like Elijah Moore's 4,700, Garrett Wilson's 4,200, and Corey Davis is 4,500. And these are guys who during the first few weeks were winning you matchups. Yep. And it just becomes really tricky to know uh, the Jets trusting Zach Wilson to throw out these guys. What kind of, like, against this kind of pass coverage from the New England team, is it going to be worth trying it and risking it? I think. I think Garrett Wilson at 4,200 probably will creep into being a slightly popular play, but it's not one that I'm going close to myself this week. Yeah. On the other end, Mac Jones, we know, is starting this game. Now, both defenses have been good. Uh, New England's ninth. The Jets are 10th. You mentioned New England struggles against the run. The Jets can have success there. Um, the Jets are average or better against the pass the run, so that defense uh, has been a little bit more balanced there. Their offensive DVOAs are almost equal to, so very similar team here. So looking at, at picking this game, I'm, I side with the Jets at home a little bit and, and at one-and-a-half-point underdogs, take them to cover um, and take them to win as well at one-and-a-half points. Uh, I, I like them there. I lean also, though – or not also, though. I, I lean the under on this one, something like 20 to 17 where it's, you know, a couple points under. They're tough picks. The FO picks do back that up. Uh, both the straight-up and total pick are the lowest confidence of the week, though. So, again, tough one to pick, but those are mine. How, how are you seeing this one? Yeah, same agreement. Just not one of those games to really uh, spend a lot of time watching unless you're a fan. Absolutely, and maybe uh, I think his name, what is it, Johnny, little Johnny that gets the ice cream every time they, they win. He's been getting a lot of ice cream this year. <laughs> maybe I think he'll get a, another ice cream <laughs> this week. Looking at uh, an NFC South matchup here, Carolina plus four at Atlanta, 41 points. Uh, Atlanta tied for the with the Bucs in the division. The Bucs have the tiebreaker right now, but um, really just got blown out last week. But for Carolina, looks like all DJ Moore needed was to be the only guy to throw to in Carolina. <laughs> Went 7-69-1 on 10 targets. No one else had more than three targets in this game. Is he back to every week starter if you hung on this long and back into – uh, contention in DFS play, or do you need to see a little bit more from him in Carolina than just one week? Yeah, he's somebody that, I mean, I was in deep on DJ Moore in the best ball streets this season, so I kind of, I was a little hesitant to go back to it, worrying that it might have been like prior convictions and stuff, but, you know, without Christian McCaffrey, without Robbie Anderson, he's seen 8.5 targets over the last two games average, so it's like, that's the kind of volume that a player like him is going to be able to turn into reasonable fantasy days. I don't think we're going to get the kind of performances that we really wanted to back at the start of the season. But if he can turn in 15-point games, then that's completely fine. He's he's only 5,300 on DraftKings this week. That really does feel like a value. The Falcons, you know, they'd started the season surprisingly well at times on defense, but now they're last place in passing defense, DVOA, they've allowed most passing yards in the league by over 200 more than any other team. And they've given up an average of 368 in the last three games. So, it, yeah, he's somebody that I'll probably struggle with in a couple of games this week about whether to start him in lineups. But for DFS purposes, I don't mind it. And I don't think you need to worry about bringing anyone back on the Atlanta side. Like, 
The pass catcher value just seems to be completely dead. London and Pitt's a fringe stars for fantasy if you need them. But they're just, you know, they're winning games and Mario is the QB6 over the last three games without supporting pass catchers. Yeah, really low passing volume there. That That is one of the uh, props I did like for this one. Now, uh, it's tough because Drake London has not done well lately. Uh, was looking kind of taking advantage, I think, of his the low receiving prop. It's 33 and a half at Caesars. 36 is the consensus. Uh, I'll say they give him a little bit more than one target like they did last week, and he gets over 33 yards. He had 35 and 40 in the prior two games. There was a game in there before that was 17, but had been really good before that, we know. Uh, so that is one that I, I do like a little bit there, London over 33 and a half yards. One last thing on this game fantasy-wise is we know McCaffrey's gone. The two running backs had really good games. Which of those do you prefer if you had to pick one? And I think Chuba Hubbard's a little banged up. Um, but, you know, moving forward, it, can you really pick either one of these over the other? Yeah, I kind of lean towards uh, Dante Foreman. He's somebody, I mean, you know, Carolina saw what they had in Chuba Hubbard last year and they went out and got somebody else because they didn't view him as somebody who'd be able to carry this workload. I yep, think Green Blackshear was somebody the Dynasty community would like to happen, but is just not really going to be fantasy viable. So, I'd be okay starting Donna Foreman. I think if you're in a pinch, you can probably start Tuba Hubbard, but it's, yeah, it's a messy situation. (laughs) Not allowed to let another game where if you're not a fan of either team, probably not going to watch a ton of it. But Atlanta's cover streak did finally come to an end last week after we said it, I think two weeks in a row, at least I did, that it would. It finally did happen. The Carolina offense was fantastic last week, second in the league behind Kansas City's historic performance, only the eighth team ever to post an offensive DVOA over 100 I don't expect that Carolina offense to continue like that all year, but like you mentioned, Atlanta has the league's worst defense in DVOA. Carolina defense has been good against the run. Uh, 13th, they've been okay overall. I think they do cover plus four. Now, it's tougher to pick a winner, though, uh, because they are so close, it seems. I'll ride with the hot team and say the Panthers. Um, What about you for this one? Uh, I've gone on the other side of things. I think purely because this game's in Atlanta – I think Dean Pease is a defensive coordinator, somebody who could bring a lot of simulated pressure, a lot of blitzes, which might get to PJ Walker. So I've learned with Atlanta and I've optimistically gone with the over in this one. I went with the over as well. <laughs> was looking uh, kind of, this one was tougher a lot of times. Um, go to some of the other DVOA stats. I went with the pace looking at this one because we know Atlanta runs the ball a lot. They're 30th ranked pace overall, 25th situation neutral. Now, Carolina's closer to average, but one thing I found is both teams are top 12 in pace when the game is within six points. And I do think this game could be pretty close throughout. Uh, Obviously, I took Carolina. I think they cover, so I think it will be close. So I thought over 41 as well for this game. So in agreement there. Now, another uh, South Division matchup, but going to the AFC, Tennessee, minus two and a half at Houston, 40 and a half point total. Uh, I've used this term a couple times. I'm going to throw it out there again, smash spot here for Derrick Henry. Do you expect the ownership percentage close to what we saw with Jacobs last week based on that Houston run defense? So I was, I was looking around a couple of websites earlier to put out ownership projections and probably because his price is a couple of thousand more than we saw Josh Jacobs last week, it's up to 8,400. It will probably keep it down to around about that 20% mark, which at 20%, you can play him in tournaments as well as in cash. I think he's one of the easiest plays of the week for me because 
the Texans have allowed the fourth most rushing yards in the league, and they've played one less game than a majority of the league because they've already had their bye. So, you know, Henry's seen more rushing attempts than Ryan Tannehill's had passing attempts for three consecutive weeks. It just seems that the Titans know that the offense rests on his shoulders and we're just going to lean into it. Yeah, he's been very good lately. Um, he's averaging over 23 PPR points per game over the Titans' last four games. Over 132 total yards in each of those four, averaging 140. And he's caught at least two patches passes in each after the week where you said it's been disappointing not seeing any targets. He's gotten them like every single week. So he didn't score last week, but it was the first time held out of the end zone. And you mentioned that Texans team really struggles. Gave up 155 and three touchdowns on 23 touch, touches to Jacobs last week. So leading into this was the, the guy that I picked to have the biggest fantasy day go over his prop. Henry, 96 and a half rushing yards. Uh, 96 and a half is a lot, but I, I think he gets there easily. He's had... Uh, the last four games, he's gone 114, 102, and 128 rushing alone. And uh, a, just a great matchup this week for, for him. On the other side, is Brandon Cooks maybe a good uh, bring back here despite the recent struggles? Tennessee is 12th against wide receiver ones. But, uh, I mean, Brandon Cooks seems like has been dead. He's had, he had some success early in the year, but not so much lately. Yeah, I think he's kind of really struggled with Davis Mills' regression this season, and he's currently like the wide receiver 48 in PPR, which just, you know, in so many years, Cooks has been that person who's been faded because the situation I mean, he just completely outplays his ADP. But I think, you know, the Titans, you know, they're good against the run, but they're worse against the pass. So they've allowed the second most fantasy points to wide receivers. So there is some cause for optimism and I, I'd be fine playing Hear me somebody I wrote in my DFS column, which is uh, out today on Thursday. Um, and I think his price is just 5,900, which feels quite, quite reasonable for a player who could easily put up 15 points, 16 points without, you know, too much worry. Yeah, it's been a really unfortunate kind of, I guess, career, if you will, for him, as good as he's been to just get passed around and passed around from team to team. Uh, going back to the the spread on this one, two and a half Tennessee favored. I know they're not great, but I'm a little surprised that Tennessee is only favored by two and a half. I'll take the Titans to cover that all day. As for the total, four and a half is tough to pick. Um, I went back and forth on it. I leaned over, but just barely like a 24-17 where it's, over by half a point. How about you? Yeah, pretty much exactly the same thinking all the way through that. Yeah, Tennessee uh, should be able to run away with that one, literally, uh, with Derrick Henry in that backfield. Uh, going to a game that should be a little bit better, I think San Francisco minus one and a half at the Los Angeles Rams. 43-point total. Really excited to see Christian McCaffrey with a full workload in San Francisco. Absolutely starting him if you have him. But last week, the 49ers fell behind again, and Brandon Ayuk thrived in that situation. Is he only valuable in trailing game scripts, or do you think he's done enough to remain involved and be playable every week and be considered in DFS most weeks? I think he is, yeah. I think, you know, like he's seen back-to-back games with 11 targets now, and he's tied with Debo Samuel for the most catches on the team with 32. The Rams won't wrap. The Rams rank 29th against wide receiver twos and have given up the six more fantasy points to a position. So it's like the Rams passing defense really isn't where it was in their Super Bowl run. So I'm completely fine starting him. I think it's, you know, it's still a little tricky to guess how this San Francisco team's going to play with Christian McCaffrey there, how they're going to play if Debo's healthy. But 
I think this week, at the very least, I'm completely comfortable playing him because it just feels like the sheen is coming off Jimmy Garoppolo a little bit in terms of like he's not playing in that same kind of way he was early on in the season and the Niners now are getting into situations where he has to pass and he has to go deep a little bit. You know, Shanahan's taking the reins off a little bit and I'm completely comfortable playing Ayuk. I think he's only 50, 6,100, but yeah, great play. Now receiver on the other side making his return, it seems, is uh, Van Jefferson. It, it seems like he may be a hot play. You think he'll be a hot play this week? And are you in on, on Van Jefferson in uh, what we think or what should be his first game back if he plays? I mean, the Rams need somebody, don't they? Like, we've kind of looked over, over the last few weeks and there's been times where it's like, well, yeah, they're really struggling with Alan Robinson. They haven't a force ball to him. We've seen Ben Skaronek lined up into a, yeah. as a fullback at times and with more catches than Alan Robinson, I think. So Van Jefferson is the absolute minimum for wide receivers at 3,000 on DraftKings. I think if he's active, then he'll definitely pick up ownership because the Niners have their own problems in terms of the secondary. Yeah, and uh, speaking of problems in the secondary, one of those problems they have is covering Cooper Cup. Uh, haven't seen, I looked and couldn't find his uh, receiving line yet, but I will, would be confident or be comfortable taking whatever his receiving yards are and taking the over in his last four games against San Francisco. 14 catches, 122 yards, 11 catches, 142, 7 catches, 118 yards, and 11 catches, 122. Just finds a way. Matt Stafford just zones in on him, so... That's a, a really good play there. I think, like I said, whatever his, his yards end up being, uh, it seems like a good play. As far as betting the overall game, the Rams won the playoff game last year to reach the Super Bowl, but lost the other three since the start of last season. San Francisco just dominated the Rams a few weeks ago. The Rams do have a lot of issues, but they did get a little healthier over the bye. What are, you, what are, you, what are your thoughts in this game with uh, San Francisco having played the Rams so well the last few years? Yeah, I just, I just feel like the sh- like the Niners, it, the wheels are starting to fall off a little bit, despite the Christian McCaffrey trade. The the problems on defense, they're a team who feel like they need a bye week, whereas the Rams are coming off theirs. We've seen a lot of the times that teams coming off bye weeks are really dialed in for these performances, and I just lean towards the Rams slightly. I feel like. Perhaps this is a time where we see Matthew Stafford look a little more comfortable, Alan Robinson look a little more comfortable in the offense, and perhaps we see the running back situation figured out a little bit better. So I go with the Rams to cover with them being at home uh, and be over at 43. I know these games can get a little bit weird and a little bit messy, but I feel like these two teams have enough to push it to the top ends of the 40s. Yeah, so I agree with you on the Rams. I've got them to cover and to win that as one and a half point underdogs. But I decided to go under. A lot of a handful of these games have gone under uh, the last couple of years, and said the 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 49ers kind of had their struggles. The defense did struggle last week, but Matthew Stafford is not Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I'm not sure that they do quite what Kansas City did. So I lean a little bit under on this one at 43 points. Going to move on to a game, but won't really spend a ton of time on this one. Washington plus three at Indianapolis, 39 and a half point total. The big news, Sam Ellinger taking over at quarterback for Matt Ryan. Uh, Ellinger really can't be much worse than Matt Ryan, who was 33rd out of 35 quarterbacks in DYR and DVOA. But are you downgrading the Colts wide receivers for now until we see, or are you going to kind of play it as usual? Yeah, I think you can downgrade running backs as well because it's difficult to see 
Jonathan Taylor potentially seen as many receptions out of the backfield as he has done over time. So I really do worry about anyone. I feel Michael Pittman probably would be fine because we've got CB's wide receiver ones just really dominate and earn those targets. It'll be interesting to see how Sam Ellinger plays. He's 4,000 on DraftKings this week, which is absolute minimum for a quarterback because nobody expected this change to be coming. Normally, if you've got something like that coming, the price starts creeping up. But Ellinger, he's got that dual threat ability. He rushed for 1,900 yards and 33 touchdowns over four seasons in college. So maybe it's one of those situations where he does okay. The commanders have allowed six most fantasy points to quarterbacks and the second most passing touchdowns in the league. So, yeah, it doesn't feel ridiculous, the idea that Sam Ellinger could go out there and get 15 points, and because of that value, open up enough on the rest of your lineup that you could really dominate with your lineup. Yeah, and on the other side, Terry McLaurin had a good game last week. Is he back with Taylor Heineke under center now? I think you can trust it, definitely for the time being, with Jahan Dotson and uh, Dami Brown banged up and Logan Thomas banged up. It's kind of the only player who seems to be consistently healthy is Terry McLaurin. Like you say, he had eight targets last week, 18 PPR points. Heineke was the QB 14, and he looked reasonable. You know, he went 20 on fit, 20 completions on 33 attempts, over 200 yards and two touchdowns, and... He's got this relationship with Terry McLaurin. I think you don't need to be too worried about it, really. I think the ceiling outcome we want for Terry McLaurin probably never happens now, but yeah. it's fine. As a daily play, as a weekly stream, it's cool. It's all good. Yeah, and I like Washington. They're my upset pick of the week in our staff picks. Uh, the line dropped from four and a half to three, which is just the cutoff uh, for our pick since Ellinger just broke. And on that side, the offense wasn't spectacular last week with Taylor Heineke, but it was their best offensive DVOA since week one. So I, I like Washington to pull the upset here. Neither offense will be great, though. So even at 39.5 points tied for lowest of the week, I like the under uh, in this game. Yep, same exactly. Making it easy. <laughs> Move on to two, uh, a game with two teams, uh, basically a battle of the overachievers, the two biggest overachievers, I think, this year. Uh, the Giants plus three at Seattle, 45.5 point total. DK Metcalf now hasn't practiced this week after injuring his knee. The news back was positive uh, that he – you know, it's not a super super serious injury, but still may miss time. Are you buying Marquise Goodwin this week if DK Metcalf is unable to go? I don't, I don't hate the player. I think he's going to attract an awful lot of attention for it because he's only 4,400 on DraftKings. But we have seen an awful lot of Marquise Goodwin through his year. I mean, he's played 95 games in the NFL, and last week was his second-highest fantasy points total of those, like, 95 games. So... We kind of know that this isn't going to be a regular outcome for him, most likely. And I'd probably prefer to play Tyler Lockett, who has the eighth most catches amongst wide receivers, ranks 10th in DYIR, and has the fourth highest catch rate amongst wide receivers with 77%. He's, he's higher at 6,500, but he's the perfect kind of wide receiver. You can plug and play in your cash games if you're playing double-ups or multiplier games. Um the Giants rank eighth again for pass, but I think volume alone should be enough to tie a lucky this week. Yeah, Goodwin uh, kind of has to be uh, – or could get one of those long passes for a touchdown. Was a former uh, Olympian, was a, a long jumper, triple jumper, but was also a really good sprinter. So he's got the speed, but maybe not the consistency. Like you said, Tyler Lockett, a little bit of a better play there. On the other side, Wondale Robinson, his average depth of target, only five yards. But he's been very productive as his uh, as his usage has ramped up. Seattle's only 23rd against short passes, 
but they are the number one defense over all the last two weeks. How do you feel about uh, Wandell this week? Yeah, he's somebody who's been very easy to like. This kind of like this tier on DraftKings pricing of wide receivers who are like 46 to 4,700, and he's easily the standout play there. I think he's somebody that people will get on a little bit this week. Um, you know, Daniel Bellinger's out injured. We just saw Kadarius Tony traded to the Chiefs today, and it's it's like there's really not anyone left. I don't know what the current deal is with Kenny Galladay, but he is never practicing. It just becomes... Darius Slayton, Marcus Johnson, and we kind of talked about this last week. Wondell Robinson plays a lot of his roots from the slot, and that's an area where Daniel Jones has targeted things heavily when he had Sterling Shepard playing. So in full PPR, even in half PPR formats, Wondell Robinson should see enough easy catches that he can be fantasy relevant. Yeah, and the Giants' three-point underdogs, again, as good as they've been last week, was questionable against Jacksonville, but against Seattle, who's been really good. Uh, what what do you like in this game uh, looking at that three-point spread? Yeah, I, I just kind of lean towards the Seahawks here because it's, uh, it's a long journey for the Giants to go over to Seattle. And I think, you know, Seattle, they've – you know, they just beat the Chargers and as good as the Giants have been, I just feel like what's good about the Seahawks is a little bit better than what's good about the Giants lately. So I'll go with them and uh, lean towards the under in this game. 45 doesn't feel unobtainable, but it just, just got one of those kind of sneaky feelings for the Giants don't quite click this week. Yep, I'm right on with you. Seattle minus three, that Giants defense has been better lately, giving up just under 18 points per game in the last four. But I think this one stays under. It's close, like all the Giants games, say like 24-20. So like one point under, you know, pretty close there. Uh, I think it could get there, but with you siding with the under. We've got just two games left. Uh, One of these, I don't know if we really need to talk a whole lot about. Uh, Aaron Rodgers might disagree with us. But can we start anyone outside of Aaron Jones for Green Bay, especially in this matchup against this Buffalo defense? And that's pretty much Buffalo's only weakness in their defense. You know, they're really, really high tier across the board in both DVOA and in fantasy points allowed. But when it comes to running backs, Buffalo allow five, uh, like they allow the 18th most fantasy points to running backs. So it's like, and that's kind of like their biggest chink in their armor. It's not a huge chink by any means, but you'd like to believe that if Green Bay are going to get anything going, it's going to have to be through that. But are Green Bay going to be able to hang around long enough to do so? Like, you know, if we go out and see the Bills start playing 98-yard passing touchdowns and then all of a sudden you're unable to run the ball, it might be very difficult. I think, you know, Green Bay have been able to hang around in close games and slow things down and create low-scoring game environments. But... I just don't think that's enough against this Buffalo side. Yeah, I agree. You know, Aaron Jones does catch a lot of passes, had two receiving touchdowns last week, being pretty involved in the pass game, especially with Rodgers not trusting any of his receivers, calling them out. Uh, Jones had nine catches on a a team-high nine catches on a team-high ten targets. So could be a game where, like I said, they fall behind and he gets a lot of his value through the air. On the other side, Green Bay also struggles against the run, 31st. Don't necessarily expect a heavy workload for Devin Singletary, given just Buffalo's offensive philosophy. Could still have a good day. But my question for you to answer for people out there, James Cook, is he like a sneaky deep play, given they could get up pretty big and get him some work in the second half or, you know, a, a full quarter? 
I think that's not a terrible play, to be honest. I think if you're talking about DFS's showdown slates, then it's a fine one to have. I, you know, we've seen that James Cook is clearly preferred to Zach Moss, and yeah, over the season his workloads kind of ebbed and flowed. Like I think in week two, he kind of peaked when it was that game against the Titans and got lots yeah. of garbage time work. But he's been steadily. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he's been steady with his stuff. I, you know, he only had two attempts last week, four attempts the week before, so it's tricky. But quite often, coming off bye weeks, we see rookies become more involved down the stretch. You know, they get that extra long week, they get a little more practice, and the coaches decide, okay, now's the time to turn a little more over to them. So it's not something I'd heavily considered before you mentioned it, but I do like the sound of that. It's something I might dive a little deeper into a weekend before Sunday night. Yeah, what and on that game I mentioned their offensive philosophy isn't really to run the ball and throw the ball a lot. So Josh Allen's passing line is set at two seventy five and a half. Now he's got two ninety seven plus in every game except Baltimore, and this is kind of tricky because Green Bay allowed two sixty nine to Cousins, two fifty one to Brady, but only one hundred thirty two yards per game to the combination of Justin Fields, Bailey Zappi, Daniel Jones, Zach Wilson, and Taylor Heineke. Not super surprising, but I do think Allen is able to make just yet another statement on Sunday night primetime in Buffalo. And I like the over 275 and a half, even though Green Bay has been pretty good against the pass. So uh, I hate to say it. I'm going to hate to see it, but I think it's going to happen. And Green Bay is going to have a tough time. And it takes us into the the betting picks here. I just, I don't think Green Bay has got a shot. Uh, Sean McDermott, you mentioned coming out of the bye. He is 5-0 since arriving in Buffalo, winning the last four, which is since Josh Allen became quarterback by three, 10-10, and 15. I know this is at 10 – was it right at 10? It's at 11 now. 11. Uh, so a couple of those are just under, but uh, I think this could be more like that uh, Pittsburgh game. Maybe not as ugly because Aaron Rodgers is a lot better than Kenny Pickett, but I'm taking Buffalo even with that double-digit spread. This was my favorite pick of the week. And then at 47 – I'm leaning under. I just I don't trust that Green Bay offense to uh, put up too many points, uh, but hopefully more than three. Yeah, and I'll just I'm in agreement with you there. I've, I'd love to see the Packers push the Bills a little more. Like you know, I never like to see teams be really out to a complete obvious lead in their conferences so early. But the Buffalo yeah. or Bills really just they're dominant, and it would be surprising if they came off their bye and weren't prepared for this game. Yeah, and that's the Sunday night. So on to the Monday nighter, our last game. Uh, we're going to preview Cincinnati minus three and a half at Cleveland, 47 point total. But the real interest in this one is we've got orange and black against orange and brown on Halloween night. How fitting. The, the NFL <laughs> schedule makers, I think, did that on purpose. At least I would hope so. But to, his, to the actual game, Cincinnati offense just has exploded the last two weeks, especially Jamar Chase. They're the third best offense, second best in passing, third best in rushing. We've talked about Joe Mixon a couple times. He's had some games where he's gotten a lot of work and not been efficient, had some games where he's not very efficient, but uh, gets a lot of work. Uh, this one, does he finally have a big game against this Cleveland rush defense? I mean, we've been waiting for it all season. Uh, he had the one goal line touchdown last week. Burrow stole the other one on a sneak. So what are what are you expecting from Mixon? Is this it? I, if he's going to have it, he really should in this environment. I Like you mentioned, this Cleveland defense isn't particularly great. And they ranked 27th in rushing defense DVOA. He did look a little bit less efficient last week than he had Mixon had done in the previous two weeks, but he had 87% of the opportunity share last week. The targets have dropped off a bit since the early 
part of the season. Like in the first three weeks, he combined for 20, and then he's had 15 in the last four. He's not had over 33 receiving yards since week one when he had like 60 plus. So it does seem like how we hoped he might be used isn't quite coming to plan. But I do think against this Cleveland defense, you really should have no worries about starting any running back. Yeah, and on the other side, the, just going to kind of open it up here. The defense uh, for Cincinnati has been right around average. So who are your best plays from the Browns in this? So I mentioned Njoka earlier in the show. He uh, It seems like it's not going to play. He said we'll see about week eight, but it doesn't seem likely that he's going to play. So that's one less option. Yeah, I think yeah, – I feel like Cincinnati has quite a smart defense. You know, they're quite adept at taking away good players. So mm-hmm. I would have no problem playing Nick Chubb, I think, you know yeah. – it doesn't matter how good your defense is. Nick Chubb can just dominate when he dominates. I think in terms of other players for the Browns, I'd be a little bit wary about starting Amari Cooper. But outside of him, uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones is somebody who has been used quite quite a lot lately. I think uh, last week he had six targets, which was only behind David Njoku's seven. And he's running a route on like 91% of routes. So... He's definitely somebody who the team are using a lot. He had 71 receiving yards last week, and I'd be quite comfortable starting him if you're playing either single-game showdown slates or if you find yourself in a position where somebody on your fantasy team is ruled out during the weekend before the game and you need to rush to the waivers, I'd be surprised if uh, DPJ is that rostered. Yeah, he's, he's been a guy we've talked about the last couple of weeks, mentioned him as he's been pretty consistent here the last few weeks. Now, Cincinnati, three-and-a-half-point favorite, 47-point total. Give me your picks for Monday Night Football here a few days out. Uh, so I'm going to go with Cincinnati here. It just feels like the Bengals have got rolling and got right in the last few weeks, and the Browns are just deteriorating, really. They're you know, going downhill quickly. So Bengals to cover, Bengals money line, and uh, – Tapio over 47 just feels like maybe maybe Monday night will be a bit more fun than some of the primetime games we've had. In the show, in total agreement. I've got, you know, Cleveland played decent game last week, seventh best DVOA, ninth best defense or offensive DVOA. The defense, though, was fifth worst. And I think that dooms them again. Cincinnati offense just keeps rolling. I've got Bengals to cover the over. The Browns offense is still right around average during their four game losing streaks. So I think they do enough to get some points on the board and push that one over. 47 on Monday night. So that will do it before for this week's show. Before we go, don't forget about that free $100 you can get from Underdog Fantasy using promo code OUTSIDERS. They'll match your deposit up to $100, again, using promo code OUTSIDERS. Also, don't forget to sign up for FO Plus at footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. Get NFL betting picks, fantasy advice, premium stats and articles, and an ad-free experience as well as access to all data on Monday instead of having to wait till Tuesday. Last but certainly not least, join us on the Football Outsiders Discord for in-game conversation for every game, starting with Thursday night, all day Sunday, and on Monday night. There's also a lot of channels in there for some good conversation, again, for fantasy uh, and just general NFL talk. So enjoy the action. May all of your fantasy teams win this weekend, and I hope all your bets hit. Tom, thanks for joining me as always.